Welcome to Expand Your Horizons, the podcast for English language teachers and wanderlust indulgers. I'm your host, Shannon Felt, teacher trainer, resource provider, and course creator for teachers around the world. In each episode, I'll share concrete strategies to help you sharpen your skills and become the very best teacher you can be. We're talking all things ELT, the most effective classroom practices, communicative methodology, and valuable tips for planning and teaching so you can help your students see real improvement in their language abilities. We'll also hear from language teachers and ELT professionals all over the globe who are making inspiring moves in our industry. So thanks for joining me. Here's to making this big world a little smaller by connecting ESL teachers everywhere. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Expand Your Horizons. In today's episode, let's take some time and talk about practice activities. So first off, let me define what I mean when I'm talking about a practice activity, because this can get a little bit confusing. Uh, Some teachers consider a practice activity to be anything the students are doing to practice their language, but there's actually some distinctions that we can make um, in terms of how we define a practice activity for the purposes of this episode specifically. Uh, Okay, so first up, if I'm talking about a practice activity, I'm talking about an activity in a systems lesson, so that's grammar, vocabulary, or functional language, that helps reinforce the use of the target language. So the target language being the specific grammar structure or set of vocabulary words um, or the specific functional phrases that the students are learning, say, in a functions lesson. So the reason why I don't refer to practice activities in skills lessons, uh, writing, speaking, listening, or reading, is because those activities are just developing students' skills. When I'm saying a practice activity, what I'm talking about is an activity that allows students to practice a specific Uh, type of target language. So even though the students are practicing their English, right, either way, like they're obviously practicing their writing in a writing lesson or practicing speaking in a speaking lesson, it's not exactly the same. So in terms of in our industry, when we really want to talk about what a practice activity means, we mean an exercise in a systems lesson, so again, grammar, vocabulary, or functional language that allows the students to practice, that's gonna reinforce the students' understanding and use of the target language for that lesson. Remember, systems lessons have target language. There's a specific uh, grammatical structure or set of vocabulary words or set of functional phrases. That's the objective for that lesson, right? That's the, the main aim is for the students to learn that particular language. Versus in a skills lesson, reading, writing, listening, or speaking, there is no target language. There's no specific grammar, vocab, functional language that you want the students to learn. You're just allowing the students to develop their skills, right? Their speaking fluency or their reading comprehension. So in order to have a practice activity, you can say basically practice of what, right? That's the specific target language that you want the students to practice. So now that we've established that, we can go a little bit further and divide practice activities into two types. So we can have controlled practice and freer practice. Controlled practice tests the student's ability to use the target language accurately. So when we talk about controlled practice, there's an accuracy focus. So basically we're asking the students, now that I've taught you this, right, this grammar, these vocabulary words, what have you, can you get it right? 
Can you use this new grammar accurately? So that's a controlled practice again. A freer practice exercise tests the student's ability to use the target language fluently. So you can probably guess in a lesson which one typically comes first. There's usually a progression of activity types. Typically after you've taught the new grammar or the new vocabulary, you would then start with a controlled practice. So check that the students can use the new language accurately, right, in a more controlled setting. Then you move on to seeing if the students can now use the language more freely, more fluently, more naturally, without so much restriction. You're still hoping that they get it right. <laughs> that was the point of doing the controlled practice before that. But now you're removing some of the control to give the students a chance to practice the target language um, more freely, hence the name freer practice. Uh, note that we don't say free practice. Some people do say that, and that's fine. Um, but we can make a distinction that it's freer, right? It's still, there's a little bit of restriction there because you're still hoping or expecting that the students will use that new target language that you've taught them. Uh, so it's not just totally whatever they want to, <laughs> whatever language they want to use. Um, but it's much freer in the sense that you're going to give the students a lot more freedom with how they use that language, other language that they're using as well, all of that stuff. Uh, good. Okay, so a controlled practice activity might be something like a fill-in-the-blank exercise, a matching exercise, maybe rewriting the sentences exercise. Obviously, all of those are much more restricted, right? The key to a controlled practice is that there should really only be one right answer for each one. Yeah, so there are a lot of different ways you can do that. Uh, a controlled practice also doesn't only have to be written. It's often a written exercise, again, like a sentence rewriting or fill in the blank exercise, but it doesn't have to be. You can do controlled practice that's a verbal activity and even one that's very interactive between the students. Um, I'll give you an example a little bit later of what that might look like. But a freer practice is going to be, again, something much more free and fluent, maybe a discussion, maybe students interviewing each other, uh, maybe some sort of debate or other speaking or even um, writing activity. Okay, good. Uh, so let me now give you an example of what some controlled practice and freer practice exercises might look like in a little bit more detail. Uh, so as I said, a written controlled practice exercise could be something like a fill in the blank, maybe rewrite the sentence using this particular grammar, like this is a common one for a controlled practice on the passive voice. Right, maybe take each sentence that's in the active voice and rewrite it in the passive voice. That would be a very controlled practice for a lesson on the passive voice. Um, something that might be verbal that you might not think of as a controlled practice could be something like this. Uh, for example, maybe you ask the students to choose where they would like to go on vacation um, and you give them three options. Uh, so for example, they can choose between three different cities to visit and then they can choose between uh, three different places to stay and then maybe they can choose between three different activities to do in that city like going on a sightseeing tour or going out to a nice dinner um, or something like that so then the students have to ask each other a very specific question and their goal is to find a travel buddy who has chosen the same three options as them Right. So maybe if the three options were London, uh, Tokyo and I don't know, Chicago, um, I need to find somebody who also chose 
London, just like me. And if the three options for lodging were um, a hostel or a five-star hotel or a houseboat, right? I have to also find someone who not only chose the same city, but also the same accommodation option and so forth. So in order to do this, you could elicit the specific question that the students would need to ask for each category. So for example, to find out which city someone else is going to, I would ask, where are you going? To find out which accommodation the person chose, I might ask, where are you staying? Right? To find out which activity the person chose, I might ask, what are you doing? So do you see a pattern here? There's a specific grammar structure being used in each question that's the same. Even though the question itself is a little bit different because the verb is different, in each question we're using that going to uh, structure. Where are you, uh, sorry, present continuous. Where are you going? Where are you staying? What are you doing? Right? So even though this is a really interactive activity, it's a verbal activity, the students aren't doing any sort of written exercise. Um, in this activity, it's a mingle. So the students would be standing up, walking around, asking each other these questions to try to find their travel buddy. It's still controlled and that this is really the only language that they're saying. They're not walking around asking any questions they want. It's really just these very specific questions using this one grammatical structure. So this would work quite well um, as a controlled practice in a lesson on the present continuous, right? You've practiced the question form, where are you going? And even in the answer, it's pretty restricted. I'm going to London, I'm going to Chicago, uh, or even I'm traveling to, to London, I'm traveling to Chicago, I'm visiting London. So in every case, the students are practicing just the present continuous, and there's not a ton of freedom in how they do that. There's still only one right way to say each of those sentences. Um, good. Okay. Whereas a freer practice might take out um, those specific questions and might just be an exercise, um, for example, plan a vacation with your partner and then report back to the class on your plan. So in this case, the students would still be using, presumably, the present continuous when they report back. Yes, we're going to London. Um, we are staying at a five-star hotel. We are meeting for dinner at six o'clock. We're taking a tour down the river, whatever, right? But this time, there, there weren't specific questions. There wasn't this built-in repetition in the activity. And so the students now were able to use really any language they wanted, but the activity is framed in a way that creates a need to use the present continuous, to use that target language for that lesson. So hopefully that helps you see the difference a little bit. Now that we've looked at what kinds of lessons have practice activities officially, and also the difference between types of practice activities, controlled versus freer practice activities, let's talk about where you can find practice activities, because this is a big question I get from teachers, and I know this can be a big source of stress for teachers, is that they're planning a lesson and they need to know, okay, where can I find material? Where can I find good practice activities? Um, for different target language, different sets of target language. Uh, okay, so one place where you can find practice activities is obviously the course book. If you're using a course book for your class, this might be something that was assigned to you by the language school that you're working for or organization that you're working for. 
Or maybe if you're freelancing, this is something that you might want to invest in yourself. Um, the series that I like, as many of you may know, is English File or American English File in my case, since I'm in the US. Um, they have a lot of great practice activities and you can find um, ebook versions if you're teaching online at uh, the Oxford University Press website. So English File is is from Oxford University Press, uh, which I believe I'll link in the show notes their exact web address, but I believe it's uh, elt.oup.com. So that's a good one if you want to check it out. Uh, you can even find used copies of the print versions on Amazon and, and other sites. Um, so if you're teaching in a physical classroom and you want a, a hard copy of the book, that's a good place to check out as well. Uh, the Global series is also a great one. That's from Macmillan, so you could check out their website. Um, and there are lots out there. So it, what I am trying to say, I guess, is that it doesn't really matter that much which course book series you choose. That's certainly not a make or break. There are tons of good ones out there. What matters is that you find one that you like and you can start to source activities from those books. Um, so obviously you're going to look at the practice activities in the individual units. You can also adapt activities that you like for other, let's say, grammar points. Uh, so just because an activity is for a specific grammar point, but you really like the setup of that activity, you could probably make a few little tweaks and adapt that activity to work for another grammar point in another lesson to save you some work. You don't have to find necessarily a completely different activity. Uh, here's an example. It's something that's not from a course book, but it's sort of a well-known activity in the English language classroom. Uh, so there's an activity called find someone who, which is also a mingle. And how this activity works is the teacher creates a worksheet with different prompts. So for example, maybe find someone who likes dogs better than cats, uh, find someone who doesn't like sweets, find someone who has uh, more than three brothers or sisters. So these kinds of um, get to know you type prompts, right? Kind of personalized things. So in this activity, the students would need to walk around the room asking questions to find the person who fits each category, right? So they'd walk around um, and ask each other appropriate questions to find the information. Like, do you like dogs better than cats? Do you have more than three siblings? Uh, do you like sweets? And so forth. So this activity can be adapted for so many different grammar points just by changing what you write in the prompts. So if I have these kind of basic questions, find someone who likes sweets, find someone who uh, has a dog, find someone who lives in a big city, right? In this case, all the verbs are in the present simple. So the students will be practicing the present simple. This is actually a, a fairly controlled practice exercise for the present simple. However, if you change those prompts, you can easily make this a controlled practice activity for almost any other grammar point. Find someone who has been to Tokyo. Find someone who has never seen the Star Wars movies. Find someone who has tried pineapple on pizza, right? Whatever you want. But now all of the prompts are in the present perfect. Someone who has been to, has tried, has never seen. Now it's a controlled practice of the present perfect. You could change it to be a controlled practice of um, the present continuous for future forms, like the vacation activity we were just talking about. 
Find someone who is going out to dinner tonight. Find someone who is staying in this weekend. Find someone who is traveling in the next year. Right now, it's it works for a totally different grammar point, even though it's the exact same activity. So I have sourced a lot of practice activities this way, um, finding something that I already know or something that I like, even in a book, that doesn't work for exactly the grammar point I want to practice and making those little changes to use that exact same activity setup for the grammar that I want to practice in that lesson or that I want my students to practice rather in that lesson. So that's one place. The course book um, itself is a great place to find activity ideas and As I'm saying, don't forget that you can repurpose a lot of activities to work for very different um, grammar points or types of target language. So don't get discouraged if you don't find a ready-made activity for the exact grammar point that you're trying to practice in that lesson. Another great place to look for activity ideas is in the teacher's book. So most course book series will have a, a teacher's book edition. This is really the only thing I use the teacher's book for is the extra practice activities. Uh, So for example, English File, the English File series, has a whole section of extra practice activities in the back of the teacher's book. There's extra controlled practice for grammar and vocabulary. There's also a section called communicative activities uh, that's basically a whole selection of freer practice exercises. So they go with the, the units in the students' books, um, but they have some really, really nice extra activities. They're perfect to photocopy if you're teaching in person and you you want to hand out physical activities to your students. They're designed to be photocopyable, um, but they're great. You can take screenshots of them uh, if you're teaching online. So then this takes me to the next next place where you can find practice activities. Um, Often the course book will have additional online or electronic activities and resources that are really great for practice activities as well. So again, for example, um, OUP, Oxford University Press, if you go to their website, there's a whole section of additional resources for the English file books, extra videos, extra um, online, sort of like clickable online activities that the students can do, extra ideas of how to use some of the book material. Um, So really, really good source if you're looking for additional stuff without actually having to create it. Uh, Place number four where you might look for activities obviously is online and other places, other websites. There are tons of websites out there. Um, I'll link to a few in the show notes that have um, just activities, (laughs) tons and tons of activities. Um, So those are great. Be aware that often those websites just provide the activity without a lot of guidance on exactly how to use it or how to build a whole lesson around it. Um, But you can, it's worth trying if you're really desperate searching for, you know, controlled practice for present perfect or something like that if there's something really specific that you need. So I would say use these websites when you know you already have the lesson planned and you're just looking for like a quick controlled practice or freer practice. I would say it's not as easy to go to one of those activities and then try to build an entire lesson around it, if that makes sense. Uh, Finally, I've got some ideas for you in terms of using other teachers' lessons. So this is another place I've sourced a ton of activities. Um, (laughs) And one of my teachers and the the recent online English teacher uh, 
cohort that just graduated said, beg, borrow, or steal when it comes to lesson materials. And that's so true. So it is normal to borrow from each other in terms of activities and ideas. Um, Obviously, you know, you're not going to rip somebody's activity off and say that you created it or invented it. But absolutely, it is normal and good to get inspired by your colleagues' ideas and activities. That's how a lot of us learn and sort of start to build our activity library. So if you are um, working in an organization or a language school where you have the opportunity to observe your colleagues, I would absolutely recommend that you take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, You know, talk to your colleague afterwards, uh, let that teacher know what you loved about the lesson, which activities you would like to try to use yourself. And it could end up being a really useful, constructive conversation as well as a way for you to learn about new activities that you could try out. Uh, this is something that happens on online English teacher in the online line, excuse me, <laughs> I really tripped over that, in the online English teacher program uh, that I run. The really cool thing about it, if you do the live practicum, you have the opportunity to observe either live or asynchronously through the recordings, you have the opportunity to observe all of the other teachers in that cohort in the program. Uh, so, so many of the teachers have said that they've learned almost as much from watching their peers' live lessons or videos um, as they have from teaching, right? Like you get the hands-on teaching experience, but then you can also go and watch your colleagues on the course teach and source a ton of great ideas from them. Um, I've even gotten great ideas myself from some of the teachers that I've observed in the online English teacher program. Even though everybody's learning, everybody brings different strengths, different ideas, different creativity uh, to the program, and it's really cool. It becomes this very kind of collaborative experience. Um, The final thing I can recommend for you is that I've just recently opened the brand new lesson plan library that you can find uh, at tefelhorizons.com. I'll link to it in the show notes as well. And so if you're tired, if you're having a busy week, uh, if you just don't have it in you to plan a lesson, you're looking for activities or more than activities, you want a full ready-made lesson, that's a great place to find those. Um, You can purchase and download individual lesson plans, or you can sign up for a membership. Um, You pay a monthly fee, but then you get a huge discount on all of the lesson plans, um, and your monthly membership includes... um, at least one free lesson plan per month, plus some other fun bonuses, surprises, special sales, and other great exciting things. Um, And these are full lesson plans. So when you download a lesson plan from the library, you get the full um, written lesson plan in the form of a Word doc or PDF form. So you have the whole procedure in great detail, and then you get the full PowerPoint presentation to go with that lesson. Um, And you can open it as a PowerPoint or in Google Slides if that's better for you. So you actually have everything already done. If it's a systems lesson, like say a grammar lesson, the clarification stage is completely done. So you have the CCQs, everything you need right on the slide, all the practice activities, of course, um, and the answer keys included as well. So really great way to discover new practice activities um, and also to save yourself tons of time in your lesson planning. 
All right. I think that about does it for this episode. Uh, feel free to leave me a comment if you enjoyed this episode. Um, and if you have any questions, of course, you can drop those in the comments as well. And um, in particular, if there's anything you want to hear about in an upcoming ep episode, definitely let me know. All right. See you next time, everybody. Bye for now. Thanks again for joining me. Feel free to leave a comment on this episode or reach out to me directly at info at and let me know what you want to hear in upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and take a few seconds to leave a quick review. It helps so much in getting the word out there. And of course, if you know other teachers or travelers, I'd love for you to share this with them too. Stay tuned for the next episode, and until then, head to tefelhorizons.com for more resources and teaching tips. Let's keep making this big world smaller by expanding horizons.